like you to take the Word of God with me this evening to the book of John. And John in chapter number 5 will take our Scripture reading tonight. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to speak. And I hope that the Word of God will not only speak from my lips, but that it would speak to your heart. And I encourage you tonight to listen to the Word. I hope to share with you what God's Word has to say, not just my own thoughts and my own wonderings, but what the Word of God says. John chapter number 5, uh, the Gospel according to John is one of those biographies, if you will, about the life of Jesus Christ. And it shares a lot with us about who Jesus was. And it differs from the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in that it seems to focus on a few intimate moments in the life of Christ. And, and, and really, even, even more than that, the, the latter part of the book of John focuses very closely on the last week of Christ's life. And so every one of the, the conversations that we see in John chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and, and the miracles that happen are all specifically there for a reason. John wrote them with a purpose. In fact, if you look at the back of John in, in chapter number 20, John tells us exactly what his reason was. He says that these are written, John chapter 20 verse number 31, but these are written, the book of John is written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. John says, I, I wrote the book of John. I, I wrote this, this, uh, this, this book, this biography, so that you would know who Jesus is and that your life would be changed. And so he writes it with a purpose. John chapter 5, verse number 1, the Word of God says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there is now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season unto the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in the case, he saith unto them, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And we'll stop our reading there. We know that the Lord will add His, his blessing to the reading and the hearing of His word. When you think of the book of John, this is probably one of the, the least, maybe, in our own mind, and our own understanding, significant passages in this book. 
We, we, we read about the, what's happened before here in, in John chapter 1. We see Jesus kind of selecting the disciples. We see in John chapter 3 that, that great evening with Nicodemus. John chapter 4, the, the Samaritan woman. John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, towards the end, we again see that last week of Christ's life. A lot of things are happening in the book of John. But John chapter 5, in the first nine verses, we know there's going to be in the, the end of chapter 5 a bit of a, a controversy with Christ and the Pharisees whether or not he was God. But in the, in the beginning verses here, we see this, this picture, this account of, of an impotent man, a man who is, is disabled, who is paralyzed in some sense, being healed. And if you're anything like me, when you read of people being healed by Jesus Christ, it's become such a, 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 a normal thing, especially after you've read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Maybe you, you pass by and you're like, that's good, the Lord healed another man. But I want to point a few things out here in this passage. Get the picture. Jesus Christ has come for a feast. Maybe it was Passover. Maybe it was a, a, another feast. That, that we don't really know. It just tells us that there is a feast. And as he comes, he goes to... What, what I suppose was probably the one part of town, the one part of Jerusalem that most people stood clear of. He went to the place where all the impotent people were, the people with disabilities, the people who were withered, they were halt, they were maimed, they were blind, the people who in that day would have been the beggars. The people who, who were in the streets asking for money, and, and you can almost imagine as a person who was well off or who had any money, you, maybe you didn't want to go to the pool of Bethesda because you knew that somebody was going to ask you for a bit of change. Somebody was going to ask you, and maybe you're like me, you know when you go into Oxford City Center that you don't carry cash just so you can say, oh, sorry, I don't have cash on me. This was that kind of a place. Is the place where all the down and outs were. And they were there for a reason. The scriptures tell us they were there waiting for something. They were waiting very specifically, the Bible tells us in verse number three, for the moving of the water. They were waiting there patiently. And you can imagine many people would, maybe, maybe they had asked their friends, hey, would, would you take me down this morning to the pool of Bethesda? Maybe the water will move today. And, and many people who, who, had, who had traveled there, maybe, maybe they took their, as, as sometimes we see people who are, who are impoverished in the streets with their bags and with their blankets on the ground. We, we kind of get that picture as this man had his bed on the ground, his, his pallet maybe, if you will, that he had been laying on there on the ground. And, and they were all just huddled together and they were waiting. They were waiting for the moving of the water. See, the, the, see what there was in that day amongst all these impotent folk and, and, and the people of Jerusalem, there was an understanding that occasionally the waters at that spring had some sort of unique moving. Some sort of, some sort of touch of God would happen on a regular basis and if you were that lucky one to quickly dive into the water, you can, you can imagine the moment the, the waters moved, all the, the people struggling to be the first one in there. If you would be the first, then you would be the one that got healed that day. 
Now, I, I don't know if, if, if this was actually something that was happening, if, if it was just a, a myth that, that, that verse number four seems to, to tell us that it, there was an angel there. I, I don't understand all that's surrounding this. It doesn't give us a lot of context. It just tells us there's an angel that touches the water. The water moves and the people try to get into it for healing. And so we find in verse number 5 this certain man. This man who Jesus Christ is going to speak to. He's had this infirmity for 38 years. 38 years he has been waiting, no doubt, by that pool, hoping to be healed. Hoping that his life would be changed. They were waiting. And he with many others were waiting for the supernatural to touch the natural. They desired healing. Why? Why did they desire healing? First of all, they recognized that they had a need. They knew, maybe as they struggled through life, maybe through their childhood, they had a, 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 an infirmity that continually got worse and worse until they couldn't stand any longer, until they couldn't see any longer. Their, their, their blindness crept up on them. They knew that they were in need. They were lacking something. They knew it probably because they saw other people who weren't lacking. They saw other people who could walk. They saw other people who could, I guess they wouldn't have seen, they heard of other people who could see. They knew of others who had those abilities and they knew that they lacked, that they had a need. I wonder, do you know that you have a need tonight? There are many people in this world who have a great need spiritually, and you know where I'm going with this, and don't realize it. They don't realize because they look at the world and they see that it's like they're sitting at that pool of Bethesda and they see everybody else has disabilities. Everybody else seems impotent. Everybody else seems maimed and halt and blind, and they don't think they have a need. The reality is I look across this crowd tonight, many familiar faces, and I think that all of you know that you have a need, a need for your sin to be cleansed. Secondly, they recognized not only that they had a need, but they recognized that they couldn't sort it themselves. You can imagine that over time they, they tried. They tried all the, the gizmos and the gadgets of that day. Maybe they tried the crutches and it didn't, it didn't seem to sustain them. It, it gave them more issues. Maybe they tried uh, using different chemicals in their eyes to give them better, better sight and it didn't work. They recognized that they couldn't sort it themselves. I wonder, with your own needs, do you recognize with your own sin that you cannot sort it yourself? Many people are stuck here trying to sort their own sins, aren't they? through good deeds, through going to the, the priest, through, through paying the, through, through different things to try to receive eternal life through their works. In fact, if you, if you read John chapter uh, 3 and you see the Pharisee, uh, Nicodemus, he thought that his good works would inherit him eternal life. But they realized they had a need. They realized that they couldn't sort it themselves. And so they sat by the pool and waited. What were they waiting for? What were they waiting by this pool for? Notice what it says there. They were waiting for the moving of the water. You know what they were waiting for? They were waiting to see something. They were waiting 
Maybe just today as they're waiting, they would see a bit of a moving, a stirring, a troubling of the water. They were waiting with their eyes, those who were blind, uh, maybe to hear that the water had moved. They wanted to see something. They wanted to know that there was something happening. And many, uh, I think in this world, come to church week after week waiting to see something. They, they read about the, the, the great apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and how he saw the great light. And they think, oh, if I could just see, if I could just see some sort of sign, some sort of vision, some sort of moving, maybe if I could just see something. And, and they think, well, I pack my bags and I, I'll go on this great pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And maybe if I go to Israel, I'll see something that will change my life. They go to different church, church to church to church. Maybe this church's holy water is better than the other church's holy water. If I would see something, some sort of vision that would change me, some sort of moving, some sort of stirring, hoping to see something supernatural. You can imagine them all around this pool on the five porches, the, the porticos there, and, and they're just watching all their eyes fixed on that, that water day after day waiting to see something happen and nothing would or they were the last one in. Matthew 12 tells us that the, the Pharisees said to Christ, we would see a sign. And what does Christ say? Verse 39, and, and actually in Matthew 16, 4, it says the same. Christ said this, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. You know, there are many people in this world who, if you've been to the open air, you, you've spoke with people and they said, well, I would believe if I would just see something, if the Lord would show me something. They were waiting to see something. They were also waiting, I think, not only to see something, but to feel something. They were waiting for some kind of feeling that as they dove, they lunged into that water that they had seen move, that maybe they would feel that they could stand. They would feel the change in their bones. They would feel the change, maybe a shiver, a flutter, a push, a pull, some kind of special tugging that they were searching for. They were waiting for that unique feeling. And so they spent their lives laying by this pool, waiting to see and to feel something. Maybe, maybe week after week, year after year, month after month, seeing and hearing of others being changed, others' testimonies who had dove into the water. They, oh man, they had a, a great change in their life because they got into the water quick enough. They want to see, they want to feel. They're waiting for experience. I wonder tonight, are you waiting for an experience? An experience... Are you waiting for it? Never experiencing it yourself. Hearing of everyone else. Wanting that water to move and to be the first one in there. And maybe you're like this, this impotent man in verse number 7. As, as Jesus comes in verse number 6, sorry. He says, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him and said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm a coming, another steppeth down before me. The man says, I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. I've, I've come to this pool every 
year since, since, since I found out of my infirmity. I came to church Sunday after Sunday. I heard the word preached, all of these things, and I was there, but nothing changed. I didn't see anything. I didn't feel anything. I didn't experience anything. I faithfully came to church three times a week. I came to all the special meetings that were supposed to help me. What? What was the problem? Let me ask you this question. In this passage, what was it that changed this man's life? The impotent man. He waited for the water. He wanted to see. He wanted to feel. He wanted to experience something. But what was it ultimately that changed his life? Look at it. He says, another man steppeth down before me. Verse number 8. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Verse 9, And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. What changed that man's life? It wasn't a feeling. It wasn't seeing something. It wasn't an experience. It was the Word of Jesus Christ. I say that with you, to you with confidence tonight. That it is the Word of God that changes lives. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing where does hearing by the word of god now i i think even amongst a, a congregation where many of us are believers tonight we say that we believe that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god but so often we are waiting for some sort of special move we want the maybe a, a revival maybe a special stirring of the water and no doubt that would, would be amazing we would love to see that some great revival or reformation but i wonder do you by faith accept the words of god the words of christ do you are you willing to hear the word of christ say rise take up thy bed and a walk and immediately follow his truth follow his word trust his word that's what changed the man's life. It, it wasn't the pilgrimage. It wasn't the holy water. It wasn't the star in the sky. It wasn't going to the temple or to the, to the pool week after week. It was the word of Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That was the thing that changed this man. Faith in God's word. Now, ultimately, I, I, I know it is Christ. Don't, don't, I'm not trying to put this word, but it's not only the written word, but the living word, isn't it? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It was Christ who changed him. It was not an experience. It was not a life. Even on Paul, what, what changed Paul's life? What was it? He saw a light, yes, but he heard the word of God. Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? Paul says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He responded to the word of God. I wonder tonight, will you respond to the word of God? Or are you continuing to seek after a sign? Continuing to seek something moving? His word says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you trust His word? Matthew 11, 28 says, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you trust it? Romans 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe the word of God? 
Will you take it? It's like, it's like having a check. You can have a check that's got words on it and says that somebody's going to give you a thousand pounds, but, but you have to act on that. You have to take the check and cash it in. You have to take it to the bank. You trust what it says. You trust those words on that check are true. If you, you say, yes, I've got a thousand pounds in a check and you, you let it sit there for 90 days or six months and, and then for some reason it's null and void because you waited too long. Can I tell you the good news is the Word of God doesn't expire and it's still relevant to you. And maybe you've come to this pool, you've come to this church week after week, year after year, for a long time waiting to see something move. And week after week, somebody has faithfully given you a, a, a serving of God's Word, has given you this Word of truth and has said time and time, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And you have refused. What if that man, after Jesus had said, rise, take up that bed, what if that man didn't even try? He didn't budge. He said, no, I'm waiting for the waters to move. His life would have never been changed. And there are, there are people, there are thousands of people in this world today who do just that. They're by the pool and Jesus is, is there and he's saying, trust my words. My word is a lamp unto your feet, God says. And, and week after week, you say, no, I... I've come here to see the moving of the water. I wonder, would you see Christ? Would you see and hear His Word? His words that are changing words. Words that are life-giving words. Words that, I remind you, were the ones that spoke this universe into existence. The, the most powerful words in the world. Man, man, mankind has had powerful words. You think of the speeches of people like Churchill that, that roused an entire nation to stand up against uh, Germany in the day. Those are powerful words, but those are nothing compared to the words of Christ. Words that say, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Words, I shall supply all your needs according to, your riches, according to my riches and glory. Words that say, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath I removed thy transgression. I wonder, do you trust the word of God tonight? The life-giving words of Jesus. That's what changes people. And we as Christians, we, we are do the same. Sometimes we say, you know what, I, 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 I think... I believe the Word of God in salvation. I've been justified. My life has been changed. But in sanctification, I don't. You know, maybe you said, I've prayed time and time again, but I don't believe that the Lord is going to answer my prayer. You say, man, I've prayed that the Lord would deliver me from this sin, but He won't, and so therefore I'm going to continue. I, I, know, I, you know, I know I've got a problem with anger, and I've asked the Lord to remove it from me, but He hasn't, and so I'm just going to carry on. The Word of God says, no hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. He's made a way of escape. Do you trust the Word of God tonight? Or are you going to spend the rest of your life waiting for some special moving? And, and I believe that the Lord moves in, in mysterious ways. I believe there are spe special and specific times when the water moves. I believe that there have been revivals in this nation, in Wales, and the, the Americas, in China, all up and down the world. I think that the Lord has touched and moved the waters in special ways. But can I tell you that 
Most of our Christian life ought to be spent laboring faithfully, trusting the Word of God, growing in the doctrines of Scripture, in the knowledge and grace of the truth, growing, feasting on the Word of God, trusting Him. I'll take you back to that passage, what I mentioned at the beginning, John chapter 21. John chapter 20, pardon me. And many other signs, verse number 30. John chapter 20, verse number 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. You know what? Jesus, when He was on this earth, 33 years, He did a lot of miracles that are not contained in the Word of God. Why aren't they written? Because these, verse number 31, but these are written. This book is written that you would believe that your life would be changed, that you would grow in your faith. These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. I wonder tonight, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Are you going to just keep coming to church week after week and trust a, 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 a man, a, a faithful man, our pastor, week after week to give you a, a, a bit of the truth, but really just waiting to see something else happen and not simply trusting the Word? Not letting the washing of the water, the Word to, to cleanse you and to change you? I wonder, do you trust it tonight? That's what changed that man's life. Now, there's a lot more on that passage, and, and you find out that the man didn't even know who healed him. Later, the impotent man has to find Jesus again and, and then tells the Pharisees that it was Jesus. He, he had no clue. But I wonder, will you listen to the Word of God tonight? Will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved? Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word. Please forgive us for not trusting it more. Forgive us for so often hearing the Word, but not responding. Lord, I pray for those that are here tonight that are waiting. That are waiting by the pool. And I just ask that they would hear Thy Word and trust in Thee tonight. Pray these things in the name of Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Seth. I'm going to sing our final hymn. I can remember many years ago when I first moved to this country, coming to a real crisis point in my own thinking, in my own mind, trying to reconcile the responsibility of man and the sovereignty of God and really struggling with the two thoughts and which one was right. And I spoke to an older minister who's now retired, and he said to me, he said, Derek, he said, there's power in the command. If the command is given, there's power to obey it. And he showed me illustrations throughout the New Testament of how the Lord Jesus commanded. We looked at one today. He showed me the, the time in God's word when Jesus said to the man with a withered hand, stretch forth thine hand. There's power in the command. The question tonight is, do you hear his command? Do you hear it? He has commanded all men everywhere to repent. 
But if you do not hear it, if you've stopped up your ears to his command, then you cannot be saved. If you're not listening to his word, you cannot be saved. But there is power in the command. Thy word, the Bible says, the entrance of thy word bringeth light. If we'd only let the word of God in, then darkness is turned to light.